Hi, I'm Ant. And I'm Dave. You're listening to Managing in the Middle. A podcast about ways to make work suck less. Let's face it, being a manager is hard work. We'll gather new ideas and fresh perspectives on how to be a better boss. Stick around and hear practical advice on how to manage happier, more productive teams. When you're a shit-hot leader, it's a win for everyone. Well, today we're super excited to have Grigina Fechner with us. Grigina's a professional media trained presenter and media expert who also runs an organization called Front and Center Training. With a really long history in sales and L&D management roles, she is all about communication. She's super bubbly. So, tell us a little bit about how you met Grizz. Grizz, okay. Grizz and I actually grew up together. She was a friend of my sister's. And yeah, bubbly is the word. She is a effervescent, friendly person. And it's been interesting watching her career. She's always been interested in people. She's always been interested in management and helping. So it's no surprise she landed where she did. And to be honest, I'm stoked to be able to talk to her on a professional level about her influences, about what she sees as important, what's the key messages she has for the leaders she trains. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Grizz. She is just an absolute whirlwind of a person. You can also find her across lots of different socials and she also has a brand new podcast with her daughter, Jamie Lee, which is called Mind the Gap. So check it out as well. Here's Grizz. So Grizz... Talk to us a little bit about what you do at Front and Centre and what you're really passionate about when it comes to leadership. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm passionate about people. So anything to do with people is the bag that I fit in. And I started the company over 15 years ago and I left an environment of healthcare and pharmaceuticals. So it was a really well-paid environment and I used to travel the world. And I just thought, you know what, I can do it better and I can do it focusing on people, not focusing on what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. So you know, I just wanted to be different in the marketplace. So I started the company 15 years ago, Front Centre Training Solutions, and it's about people. It's about making people be the best that they can be. It's about living people's dreams. It's about motivating, inspiring, captivating anything that anyone does so that when you get up in a day, you actually want to go to work and you're excited to be there and you're passionate about it and you're committed to it. And you want to lead people to be the best that they can be and fulfill anyone's dreams. So you're never too young or old to have a dream and live it. So it was my dream and, and I'm living it as I speak to you guys now. In terms of the work that you do with teams at the moment, what yeah. are you hearing? What's the word yeah. on the street? How are managers yeah. feeling? Yeah, shocking. And, you know, that managers ring me every single day and we're obviously living in a pandemic and we're living in a space where none of us have led like it before. We're leading virtually. We're leading blended learning. We're leading where we can't have that physical and emotional human touch and connection. So leaders are frustrated. Their sales numbers are down. They're struggling to be motivated. So if you're not motivated as a leader, how do you lead others? So they ring me most days and say, Grizz, help. And the biggest things I can say is don't lose touch with your team. If it means Mm. virtually, if it means turning that camera on, and the minute you lose touch and you start to splinter and fragment, that's when problems will really start to occur. Dave and I were talking a lot last week about psychological safety and creating an environment and high trust environment, which is obviously Mm. a lot easier to do when you're in the office and you can have eye contact and 
go out for Friday yeah. night drinks and all of the things and the rituals yeah. that we're all really used to. What mm. do you think about in terms of, you know, how both employees and managers are feeling and what are some ways that you would recommend we can create a little bit more trust in the workplace at the moment? Yeah, and I think you talk about two really good points. One is psychologically safe, obviously, and that's where you have to think about the whole team. And so for those of you that don't know much about this space, a really quick background is it's a space as a leader that you create where people feel safe and they feel safe because they can be themselves. They feel safe because they know if they ask a question, they won't be shot down. They'll feel safe if they know that they can be creative in that environment. They'll feel safe if they know that you've got their back and you support them. Now, you mightn't agree to them, you mightn't agree with them and you mightn't see eye to eye. The fact, though, that people can talk and inspire their curiosity and create that safe spot to do all of that, that's really, really important. And now more than ever, people are feeling really not safe. They're feeling not safe with their jobs, not safe with their roles. They're worried about being made redundant. They're worried about, you know, their family. They're worried about what work looks like for them. And a lot of them are also worried about the way their work looks like now that might go on long term. And I'm a certain prime example in that space. I've never virtually trained. I've always been one to keynote and facilitate face-to-face. So for me, this was a really unfamiliar territory. And I said to someone the other day, gosh, do I see myself training in this space in a year's time? And it's scary. So as a leader, we've got to be mindful that all this stuff's going on around your teams. So creating that space is really challenging. But what I encourage every leader to do is to have a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting or something to keep connecting and the camera must be on. (laughs) And the reason I say the camera must be on is because as you made a really good point when you asked me the question, you said face-to-face we can see each other's body language and face-to-face we can connect. Now, the minute you don't have a camera on when you're doing this sort of stuff at the moment, you actually can't see someone's environment. You can't see their facial expressions. You can't see their eye contact. You can't see their body. And without that, you lose a lot of visual able to get the cues from. Even tonality, tone, inflection, diction, articulation, the power of pause and pace, all of that stuff matters. And as a leader, we've got to start listening for it. Listen to learn, listen to understand, listen to engage. If we're not listening to tone and we're not listening to how someone's feeling, are they really concerned before they say it so they pause and they stutter and they stammer? Well, that's something to make note of and that incorporates that safety space. So turn your cameras on. Do not let your teams out of your sight for more than a week. Check in. It might be a text message. It might be a handwritten note. Now imagine that. Imagine sending a handwritten note. And I know the new generation didn't grow up like we did with letters and stuff, but just sending someone a card, a little love letter. And I don't mean love letter like I love, well, you can always send me a love letter, uh, but just sending someone something so that they've got something to hang on to during this moment. So how do you even say hi as a leader? Do you go, oh, hi, is everyone feeling crap like I am? You know, that opening touch and connection bit starts at hello. So as a leader, you've got to be in the frame of mind. Now, that does not mean you've got to be upbeat and happy every day. What it means, though, is there's a difference between happiness and optimism. And optimistic people are the ones that see a light at the end of the tunnel. So you mightn't be happy and upbeat every day and go, oh, I want to be happy like Grizz. But it's that finding that optimism as part of the team. So as a team, we're going towards that light at the tunnel that we'll find and you as a leader have to keep on steering them to that light to get them through this crazy time. So Grizz, a lot of what happens in my experience is in the moment opportunities. When you're with your team, you mm. get these little moments where you can 
lead by example, you can set the tone, you can help someone come out. How do we find those opportunities when you're only seeing them for very short periods during a day, during a couple of set formal meetings, or you don't get that long exposure to find those opportunities? Yeah, so as a leader, I would think, I mean, you know your team better than anybody. So you'll know some of the team that are falling apart because of the way they're not writing emails or they're not engaging. So it's looking for clues, not even at that moment in time, but being on all the time. So if you notice an email that used to be quite long and had a bit of happiness or some smiles or some emojis, and now you're not seeing those anymore, well, that's the clue. So as leaders, you've really got to open your eyes and your ears and not just look for the moment in time where you're seeing them, but that moment in time when they don't respond to your calls within the hour when they used to, that moment in time when they don't respond to emails anymore, that moment of time where a team member says, look, I've left a message for Grizz and she hasn't returned my call. So you're looking for patterns of behaviour that you see changing, Mm. which means that as a leader, you've really got to be on all the time and looking for the little things, not just assuming that everything's going well, stopping and going, how's Grizz's behaviour changed from three months ago or six months ago or 12 months ago? Her follow-up takes longer. Her responsive rates aren't including her body language in the meetings is much more reserved. She Her tone is changing. I think, David, it's not just when you see them face-to-face. It's everything that happens in that seven or eight hours a day of the different clues that you're going to pick up. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, so that would be certainly something to think about. I think that's really interesting and I know that a lot of people anecdotally and also through some of the surveys that we've put out to our network over the last couple of weeks have talked about things like micromanagement where some leaders or managers, when they can't see their teams, freak out and are sort of looking or you know wanting to have more and more check-ins or more and more updates on what's going on because they're not necessarily convinced that their their team are working as hard as they they feel they should or their output isn't quite there. The big thing about micromanagement Mm. is that we know that when we exert control over other people like that, the person's performance Mm -hmm. will usually go down, you know, the outcomes will usually suffer, morale will usually suffer, and people just don't enjoy that. I think there's not many people on earth I can imagine who enjoy being micromanaged. So how can you as a manager or a leader kind of override that very natural tendency to want to know what everyone's doing but still kind of be able to understand what's going on without kind of feeling like there's a lot of pressure on someone? You need to, as a leader, start to develop this in your own self and talk yourself out of doing it and you've got to start trusting. And what I always say to teams and leaders, and this is probably a really good opportunity for you to bring your team in together and have a setting expectations session. So what are my expectations of you as the leader? What are my expectations of you from the team? Team, what are your expectations of me as your leader? And I think until we set expectations, so my expectations might be every couple of days, I just want a five-minute whip, which is a work in progress. What's going on? And we'll do that once a week. Now, if I think that and you actually don't need that and you're really motivated, and I don't need that from you. Well, as a leader, I need to say to myself, Grizz, back off. Ant's doing a great job. She doesn't need my support. And if I start trying to overrun and override her, I'm going to lose her. And so as a leader, if I want the best of my team, I've got to lead every individual separately. So you need to decide who needs more leadership, who needs more management, mm. and who needs to be set free and be doing their thing. You know, 
and I talk a lot about this in the coaching space, but we have our high performers and you know who those are in your team. They're the ones that we still need to coach because quite often we say, we just leave the high performers Mm. and they'll be okay. But the high performers are the ones that want challenges. So they're the ones that we need to ensure that we're coaching and coaching is such a good mechanism to get them to even be greater performers. Otherwise, they might slip back and start to feel like nothing's going on. So my tips for leaders, do not micromanage, number one. Number two is <laughs> amen, have sister. a setting expectations. <laughs> yeah, amen. Uh, number two, have a setting expectations meeting. These are my expectations of you, Dave. What are yours of me as your leader? What do you need from me for you to be the best that you can be? So mm. that should be one-on-one. We cannot just lead a team one in all in the same way because people are different and we know whether we talk about behaviour styles of DISC or Herman's brain or, you know, insights, colours or whatever behavioural tool that you guys might use, people are different. So we need to treat them as individuals. So as the leader, we lead them separately. It doesn't mean we micromanage and it doesn't mean we don't talk to them at all. Someone like me, I love a bit of a chat, as you've probably gathered by now. So <laughs> if you were leading, if you were my leader and I want you to check in with me once or twice a week just to chat and tell you what I've been up to and, you know, that's how I get excited and that's what motivates me. Now, Dave might need a chat. You might be doing everything well. So the expectation of Dave is once every week, every Friday, send me an email of how your week's been and you call me when you need me. One of my favourite quotes I think about building trust is that it's like marbles in a jar. It was a bit of a Brene Brown one, I think, that came from her. For any of you listening out there, you've got to spend an hour with popcorn. Have some alcohol if you want and listen to her Netflix. It's truly to die for. Be in her arena or don't get <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Dave I'm always rolls his eyes. As soon as I fangirl Brene Brown, Dave just rolls his eyes. It's like, oh, not that I shit know. again. I love Brene Brown. Don't get me wrong. I do. I love it. Well, what I love about her, her kind of description of trust is that trust is earned in small moments and they're like marbles in a jar. So you put some in. And then something happens or you do something wrong and the marbles get taken out. And I really love that analogy. I wanted to know from both of you guys what you sort of think about that. And if that is true, that we don't just have this infinite bank of trust, which we know we don't, how do you continue earning it, particularly again in this kind of environment where we're all talking remotely? If I start, I want to add more to the trust bank with the team is often about asking for their help. If I go to my team and I say, here's what I need to do for my boss or here's what I need to do for to hit our goal, but I don't know how to do this or you're the expert with this, I need your help. Rather than offering them help, if I ask for help, the trust skyrockets. Mm. If I continually offer help, it has the opposite effect. They feel I don't trust them. So for me, it's all about asking for help. Grizz? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, anyone that's in the team, I start off with the mindset of I trust you unequivocally, like I trust you, and I'll continue to trust you until you break my trust. So with that being my philosophy as a leader, I absolutely enforce with my team that they are to trust everybody until such time as they don't. Now, as we know, trust can take a really long time to earn and it can be gone in a heartbeat. So, as you say, those marbles are going to come in and go out. And it's so simple to earn trust by doing what you say you're going to do and by backing yourself in and by asking your team. And I always talk to leaders about coaching to outcomes, and I find that this is a really good one for trust. And what coaching to outcomes means is the way I say hi 
and the way, Dave, you say hi might be really different. But at the end of that hello, if the person stops and wants to engage, then someone's done a great hello. So another example is if I do an Excel spreadsheet a certain way and someone else does it differently, but the outcome's the same, then I should coach on the outcome, not on you've got to change and do it my way because mm. my way is the right way. We, we start looking at what the outcome was. And if the outcome was achieved, if Dave stopped, when the person stopped, when Dave said hello, and when the person stopped, when I said hello, now I might have gone up and hugged and kissed them and, you know, chatted for five minutes. <laughs> Dave might be a hello with a handshake. Now, I don't want to coach Dave from a trust perspective and go, well, you've got to do it my way because my way is the right way. I say to Dave, well done you. We both got the end outcome. So if when I ran you up are, and hugged someone, they'd scare them off. <laughs> Yes, people want more kisses from me. Work better. And then you start talking about impact or intention versus impact. So, and I often use this example as a a leader. Quite often, you won't invite someone to a meeting and all of a sudden your intention was, I'm not inviting that meeting because I know that you are so busy and you've had four Zoom sessions today, so you don't need to be at that meeting. So my intention was I'm trying to relieve my team member, but the impact that had on that team member was they felt left out. Mm. So we need to start being mindful that even though as leaders we have intentions for people, the intent might be right, but the impact might be something very, very different. There's a lot around self-care at the moment, but what do you think Mm. as leaders we all need to do to kind of bring our best selves to work and not be constantly ground down or grouchy or grumpy or moody? Yeah, yeah. It's have you, there's a number of these things, and I'm so glad you asked this question because I do love to chat about this one. Um, your stability rocks. And as a leader, I say to people, what are your stability rocks that before COVID you did? Was it that you went running every day? Was it that you rung a friend every afternoon? Was it that you did yoga at your lunch break? Was it that you went to the, whatever it was, have those stability rocks and you've got to keep doing them no matter what else is going on around you because they're your rocks that hold you tight. So number one is whatever you did, prior to this for your own well-being as much as I know Melbourne's a bit tough at the moment but even if you did yoga find a meditation app on your phone or find another way to still get that moment for you so stability rocks is number one number two is a productive rule and I talk about this often which is the 52 r17 rule work productively for 52 minutes and there's a lot of apps that you can get now that have this on it so the studies suggest that you work productively for 52 minutes and then for 17 minutes you go and do whatever you want so that doesn't mean that your manager's online every five minutes with you going, oh, my God, you were gone for 17 minutes. You actually instill in this culture in your leadership team, the 52-17 rule. You're going to work really hard for 52 minutes and it goes so quickly. And then at 17 minutes, you go and have a coffee, go and run your friend, go and walk around the block, go and take the dog for a walk, go and watch 17 minutes of Netflix, do whatever you want, go and read a chapter of your book. I don't mind what it is, but for 17 minutes, go and do something. And then you feel good again and you're back on track to it. So still find the things that light up your soul, still find the things that make your heart pound, still find the things that excite you, delight you and captivate you and go and bloody well do them. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course you are. This is (laughs) Bloody well, go and do what makes you happy. And as leaders, do not schedule Zoom meetings for seven hours a day Mm. because all that does is it's you trying to go, oh, my staff member needs to be doing, I need to see that they're working. As we've said before, trust that they're doing what they should be doing they know what their deadlines are they know what they're on their to-do list is let them just go and do it don't have them on zoom meetings and i always say zoom meetings shouldn't be any longer than about 60 to 90 minutes for mental health again and don't schedule them back to back try and have your meetings in the morning because in the afternoon people aren't as 
productive, especially working in this space at the moment. So, you know, as a leader, you will get the best out of your team if you let them have their self-care and let them do their 50, you know, their rules of 52, 17 or their walking around the block or whatever they do, let them keep. Speaking of having fun, Regina, I see you actually... <laughs> so not my area of expertise. I see you're doing a podcast with your daughter, you oh, and Jamie. Well, yeah, I really am. And, you know, I put a post on LinkedIn today because I say, you know, Lizzie Dream, she came to me in ISO. She's been really upset throughout the whole thing as well. And said, Mum, I want to do a mum and daughter podcast. I said to her, okay, why not? I've had no idea about it. Anyway, she organised it all, did the content, and we are three weeks in and people are writing to us from all over the world saying that we've changed their life and we've made them laugh and smile. So I guess, you know, as my philosophy is, it's so easy to make someone smile and smile and the world smiles with you. So I think, Dave, it's been the best thing I have ever done in my whole life. And the time Mm. I've got with her, and I said to her, it's something that no one can ever take away from us, you know, sitting in a studio and and laughing about her vomiting in my brand new mini when I just picked it up because I (laughs) jumped her up from King's Cross after a drunken night and I threw it on the driveway and understanding what Uber ratings are because I don't really know and (laughs) generations. And you learn so much from each other and it's unreal. But just um, on that, can I just say one more thing because I think this is really important from a leadership perspective. I talk about smiling all the time and I say smile with your eyes, smile with your body language. As a leader, when you walk in, smile. No matter what's going on, you still need to smile. And I was on the Seven Network on the morning show a few weeks ago talking about smiling and I don't think much of it. So I'll leave you guys tonight and go about my way and I may have said something that will help you guys as leaders and I don't think much more about it. And so I said, I spoke about smiling on the Seven Network and this guy rang Channel 7 and he said, I'm Duncan and I need to get hold of Grizz. And Channel 7 said, oh, look, we don't give out phone numbers, but we'll pass on the message. And 7 didn't pass on the message and, sorry, Channel 7. And then a couple (laughs) of um, days went by and he rang back consistently. I need to speak to Grizz. So finally, the 7 Network rang me and they said, Grizz, this guy Duncan from Hillsville in Melbourne keeps (laughs) ringing trying to get hold of you. Here's his number. I don't know what he wants. And I thought, gosh, if Duncan's made the effort to ring as manners and politeness, which we spoke about before, and I have to leave it and lead by example. So I rang back this guy, Duncan. I said, hi, Duncan, it's Grizz from the Seven Network. Thanks for calling. How can I help you? Grizz, I need to talk to you about your segment on smiling the other day. And I was like, oh, God. He said, right, so this is my story. I was at the end of my bed and I was doing up my shoelaces and my wife is in palliative care and she's about to die. She's got breast cancer, stage four, and she's not going to make it. And he said, every day I go into her room and I walk in and I'm miserable and she's miserable and the room's miserable. And then our two grown-up sons who are 18 and 21, they walk in and they're miserable. And our friends walk in to visit her and they're miserable. And he said, I I got up, doing up my shoelaces, and he said, I walked in and I opened up the door and I smiled because you told me to smile and the world will smile with you. He said, and I opened up the door and I smiled and she turned around and she burst into tears and I was like, oh, shit, Duncan's now really angry at me and he's ringing me to tell me that I've now made his wife burst into tears. And he said, she turned around and she burst into tears and she said, Duncan, that was how you looked at me when I was standing at the aisle about to walk down and marry you. He said, I can go to heaven now because I just needed to see that smile one more time. And then it even chokes me up now when I talk Aww. about it because, you know, the three of us sit here and we go, yeah, smile and laugh and, and have fun but it changes people's lives. So he said, Grizz, I then put a big um, note on the door and I said, do not enter. And he drew a big smiley face unless you're smiling. And he said, no, I rang the boys and I said, you smile at your mother. Anyway, this room lit up with smiles and they were happy. And then she went to heaven 
eight days later and he invited me to a funeral in Hillsville because he said it was something as little as a smile but yet as big as the whole wide world. So, you know, I I say these things all the time. I say smile and the world smiles with you and I say laughter is truly the best medicine and I give all these little random tips that I think mean nothing but they mean something to someone. So as a leader, you need to start thinking about the little things that you do that might change someone's world. Mm, that went beautiful. off my podcast, but it was probably important. So nice. So, like, no, no, it's really important because as a leader, you don't mm. realise the massive impact you can have on your team. No. If you've been in a poor team and suddenly got a good leader and you've suddenly started wanting to come to work, you want to achieve, you want to do, you're looking mm. forward to work. There's a good, that's all on the leader. Now, mm. you can have that impact on these people. You can make these people's life so yeah. much infinitely better this is the opportunity yeah. you've got yeah. it's just about figuring out how to do that mm. oh, that's beautiful. so true and i think we we forget the little things you know and and people often say to me don't sweat the small stuff and i'm like bloody sweat the small stuff so again you leaders listening i don't care about the big stuff because the big stuff doesn't ever matter if you don't get the little stuff right and that's the pleases and the thank yous and the manners and the smiles and the mm. belly laughs and the fun and all of that stuff that small stuff and it doesn't take from a leader perspective it doesn't take much for us to do that stuff if we get that stuff right there's never big stuff to sweat because it's just going to roll in and people are going to love it and embrace it and want to be a part of whatever it is because it's a small stuff that matters well thank you that was fantastic where can we find your podcast give us the the name of it Oh, my God. It's called Mind the Gap. Oh, Mind the Gap. Gamily will be so happy. She'll be so happy. And you've got to listen to it because it's bloody funny. And if you're having a shit day, put on Mind the Gap for half an hour and talk about, you know, two blondes in a car singing along to Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick. She didn't know that song. And I had to, you know, Hit Me With Your Rhythm No, you probably don't even know the song. You better listen to it. Dave knows the song. Um, You've got to listen to it. But Mind the Gap, it's just a really cool and people identify with it, everything from Uber drivers to me having my first alcoholic drink at the age of 48 because I've never drunk alcohol and she made me drink some Cooler Bar because that was wow. the drink of my century. I know. Try and stop me. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So if anyone out there ever needs any advice, as you've probably heard from tonight, I'd love a chat. So ring me. Thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been an absolute oh. pleasure. I've had the time of my life, and if any of you ever need anything, I'm just a phone call, smile, and belly laugh away. Thank you. It's awesome. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you've thought of any burning questions or we've triggered something you'd like to discuss, hit us up on the socials. If you want more information, check the show notes. Everything's in there. Do us a favor. Tell your mates. We can help everyone. <laughs>